This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, and welcome to the Voice of Reason podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's guest is Barnaby Dixon, who is an erstwhile stop-motion animator turned puppeteer and YouTube legend. I'm the YouTube sensation. He's the YouTube legend. In this conversation, we talk about his process going from stop animation into puppeteering and the ways in which the independent media device that we still have access to has given him the ability to make that his full time gig. This particular episode is different from others in that I have interspersed footage from his products into the interview. So if you're listening and it sounds weird, then you're listening to parts of his videos. And if you're watching, you'll get to see what he's up to with his hands and all the things that go on beyond his hands. And I hope it gives us a little bit of a respite from other areas of life and discussion. Hope you enjoy it. Here you go. This is Barnaby Dixon. When did you start doing this amazing YouTube channel? Oh, uh, thank you. Um, I started I started the channel in 2011. And I think the first thing I uploaded was a film that I made th- uh, two or three years before. Uh, that was a stop motion film. Um, but I didn't really get any recognition. Well, some uh, until I started doing puppetry, which would have been uh, I guess five, four, four years later, something like that. What started you on the puppetry thing? Weirdly, practicality, because with with YouTube, kind of the mantra of the day, and it still is to a degree, is like the ability to upload a lot of stuff very quickly. And, and with a medium like stop motion, man, that's just just not conducive. It's just you know the antithesis of that. So. I was, uh, like I say, I uploaded that one in 2011, and then I uploaded maybe another one two years later or something like that. And just, you know, the the workflow, or at least the amount that you could release was just so minimal compared to what was apparently conducive to success. So I tried to figure out ways that I could speed up the workflow. Initially, kind of working with something like a hybrid puppet slash stop motion thing. So, So some elements that were puppetry, some elements that were stop motion. And then I got quite close to having something that was almost just completely live actionable something that would work in, in real time. Ah, the great British seaside. To feel the salty breeze rush through my feathers. Soft, wet sand, oh joy of joys. Is there a surface on earth more pleasurable for the barefoot? Pebbles, too, have their charm. And lest we forget the proud fury of the waves thundering to a balls. I'd like to go home now, please. So I was like, I'm going to invest some time into trying to get these mechanics all sorted because that way, if I can, you know, if I can work in real time, that means I can leave my room for one, but also sort of like <laughs> have the puppet interact with animals and people and all that kind of thing. And that is, uh, it was, it wasn't really until that, that would have been around, I think early, in fact, yeah, around new year of 2014, 15. Uh, and it wouldn't have been another year and um, a half until my, my channel 
had its first kind of viral video. So um, the, the, the videos I'm referring to before are the Dab Chick series that I did with this little bird puppet um, that I still do. Uh, but they didn't really... Uh, they, they weren't the viral video. It was, it was a new puppet that I put up that, that had the channel kind of explode overnight. Hey, so I finally finished the puppet or, or close enough to it. So check this out. What was different about it? I guess that's the question. What made it sort of different from the ones before and why that one took off as opposed to the others? Yeah, I think, um, I think weirdly enough, it was a very quick turnaround on that one. I literally just put my phone on the kitchen table and aimed it at me and, and introduced this new puppet. And there was something about... I have my theories and there were certain elements in it that people really latched onto like at a certain point it kicked a tissue across the table and it'd be little things that you know that, that people really latched onto but I think the main thing it sounds a bit egotistical but like me being in the video actually helped because I think that forced people to to realize this thing's happening in, in real time you know this is a, actual objects that exist and I think discerning people can view the dab chick stuff and think and, and realize, you know, that that's a puppet in, in these situations. But when there's the person talking in real time, explaining what you're seeing, that there's something, uh, I don't know, there's something less deniable about about that whole thing that, that makes people really latch onto it, I, I think. Luck probably too <laughs> had a huge part to play in it. When did you first start playing around with uh, puppets? Um, I think... So Dabchick started off as a as a stop motion slash uh, live action hybrid, and I think he was fully puppetable maybe around I don't know early early 2015 at some point maybe March something like that. I think one of the first videos I put up of him just moving around in real time would have been around that time. So yeah, early early ish 2015 I guess. But I assume that you were playing around with puppets for years before then, or was it just a novel thing i'm like i'm uh, gonna try to move my hand around this time i see yeah well i wasn't i wasn't i hadn't uh played around with puppets at all before then actually but what i did have from stop motion was kind of a sense of physics and also uh a sense of how to build something of that scale and what materials to use so there's a lot of things that i was able to carry over from stop motion uh into puppetry so and i, I play instruments as well so like dexterity's obviously featured and helped mm-hmm. There's something about stop motion too. I mean, I've I've ripped on it a little bit for its time consumingness, but um, there's something when you when you really study a motion and you spend kind of like a motion, not emotion, uh, a particular motion so uh, intensely over a period of time that it takes to do, which is a long time, any movement in in stop motion, you get a very very deep understanding of how the physics function in it and. Uh, and maybe it's just a small abstraction to take that to live action somehow compared to with, if you hadn't had that, that experience before. When did you start with the stop motion then? Was yeah. that in high school I, or uh, secondary school? I don't know the names second, of all sec- of your... Yeah, it's secondary school. Okay. So secondary school is, is probably, I think, 11 to 15, something like that. So I, when I was lucky because this media center opened in my town um, and they ran this stop motion course um, so I was, yeah, did I say I was 13? Yeah, I think I was 13 at the time. And um, they, after that, and this was the, the crucial thing, actually, they ran these things called drop-in sessions. So that if you'd attended a course, which I had, you could go in after school and, and use the equipment. And I just made 
use of that from from the beginning really so years and years just kind of messing around and very stupid things to start with just like characters cutting each other's heads off and the kind of the standard things that you would imagine a 14 13 14 year old might animate um but at a certain point i wanted to try something more adventurous and that would have been i guess um uh 20 20 oh hang on 2008 2009 is when i made a, a slightly more advanced film and um yeah were that, you always working uh, solo on these things? Yes. Uh, although, um, when I'd finished the uh, the film that I was talking about just then, I, I got a, a guy to do the sound for me. But okay. in terms of the process, I shot it basically chronologically, uh, as I, I often do with stop motion, because it gives you a good sense of the timing watching it back. You know, you don't have to wait for actors to be available on certain days, so you can kind of get away with shooting it chronologically, and you do get a sense of the story unfolding and whether it seems to be working or or something needs tweaking. It's quite a nice way to work. Do you prefer working alone? It, it seems like you're a one-man band. Every once in a while, it sounds like you have somebody else going on, uh, maybe one or two other people. But uh, Occasionally, I, I, I chat with people and, and kind of get their take on things sometimes. Um, there was uh, Sometimes I'll work with someone that will write something, but it's only been really once or twice. I've, I, I mean, I've said this before, and it sounds a little bit... I don't know. I don't know what it sounds like. You tell me what it sounds like, I suppose. But it's it's if you work alone and you're 100 percent invested, then you can be sure that everyone on board is 100 percent invested. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> There's something to that for sure. Because if you're working in a small space, I mean, my interests are not a lot of people kind of maybe I don't know maybe don't have the patience to do stop motion. I think that's yeah. that's fair to say. So to to rope someone into something that as specific as that would have felt pretty torturous for them. I assume I didn't want to put anyone else through that. But you learn a, a lot when you do something on your own, like a, a, certainly a big range of skills. Certainly, um, I mean, there are people that are stop motion animators, but not necessarily filmmakers that work in companies and things. But I, I really do enjoy sort of trying to get an understanding of the whole thing, putting together the whole thing, I guess. Yeah. Before you started YouTube, were you dreaming about working in a studio like the studio that made Coraline or uh, you know with the Jim Henson uh, production company or something like that? I, I thought that was the most um, viable path for someone of, of with such specific interests. Um, so I was I was aiming for because it's quite close to where I live. There's a company called Ardman Animations and they do the Wallace and Gromit films from I guess from the 90s, 80s, 90s, something like that. They're still making some, I think. Although I think one of the voice actors died that, that played Wallace, so I don't know if they'll do any more. But um, but yeah, that that being kind of close by would seem seem to be the most logical place to shoot for. Um, but uh, they are it is quite competitive those those jobs because they're kind of few. And also when you do get them, at least when I was applying, they, they were all kind of freelance things. So you never really had I don't think a hundred percent job security. Um, which I mean, but then again, I did like the freelance way of life because you could work on your own projects in the meantime too. So I guess there was pros and cons to it, but really I didn't get much attention from that company before I started doing puppetry, ironically. So it was when I started doing that, that I got phone calls from people like that and, and the like of people, as you mentioned too. And yeah, I, I <laughs> imagine that when you start in those companies, you're just kind of doing what other people are telling you to do. Um, so you're only using mm. your, I guess, your technical know-how. Uh, you're not using your broad range of talents. So I can yeah. see how 
can kind of it's like specialists really so there'll be people i mean i i like doing model making i like doing animation i like doing filmmaking i i like editing to a degree although it can be a little bit tedious sound (laughs) design music's fun all that stuff's fun but yeah when you when you get into a company like that they will they will you get to pick your lane but you have to stick in it essentially Mm -hmm. and um and that felt a bit limiting because i was so interested in such a wider range of things i guess Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I had a meeting actually with with one of the guys at Artman, and I said, "Do do anyone does anyone kind of have the time to work on their own stuff?" And he just said, "No, no, they don't." And I and I think he enjoyed shutting me down, kind of. But it did. It was a good. It was a good thing to hear actually, because I thought hmm, maybe there is another way. And that's when I, I think probably around then when I started thinking about YouTube. What was that thought process? How did that come? YouTube? Yeah, like as an idea, how did that kind of pop up in your head? What were your first um, kind of considerations? I guess uh, it, it seemed to offer a kind of freedom that was freer than even freelance offered. Uh, I knew it was a hard thing to achieve because so few people can make a living on YouTube. And, and at the time, that was the case, too. Um I, I guess I guess it just seemed suddenly like that there was this viable way to to kind of obtain stability and creative freedom, um, and if you and if you can make everything on your own, which I had been doing, then it seemed pretty viable in that way too. So yeah, it seemed like it seemed like the best option. Was there? Uh, this might be a little too personal. Was there like a building Schroman arc where? The people around you were saying, "Don't be an artist. You can't be an artist. You can never make it in the world. Go go into programming or something like." Did you have to resist uh, pressure to not be an artist? And uh, and I'm asking that with young artists in mind who are trying yeah. to pursue a goal of becoming that full time. Uh, so tricky. To, I mean, it's like you'd want people to take advice from the answer in a way, but at the same time, everyone is so different and everyone's situation is so different that it's it's hard to say anything like empirically is that the word something like that so like uh, i would um my parents were super supportive but certainly concerned (laughs) because it was such a specific uh line of uh profession so i think um i i mean i was i was good at stop motion i was i mean i i was okay in school but when i started to be able to specialize in the things i i was interested in i i we got to like the top of the class and things like that were close to the top of the class. Um, so that I know, I knew that, that I was, and I was getting some awards and things with the stop motion. So I knew that there was a viability there in terms of my talent, but I didn't really know there was a viability in terms of an outlet. Um, but in terms of resistance from other people, uh, it's hard. Even internally, I mean, like doubts. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would, I, I guess so. I mean, there, there were doubts, but they were kind of, there was something, underneath all the doubts there was always like a confidence inside that i don't know whether that was um a defense mechanism or 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 kind of just run-of-the-mill cockiness maybe (laughs) (laughs) maybe somewhere in there yeah i think so i mean there was definitely there were there were doubts and and it was it was it was concerning for for a while and i was just about to when the viral video actually happened i was just about to kind of enroll to my college to, to become a plumber so that I could kind of um, have something that, that, that could kind of tide me over. But my plan was always, okay, well, I'll do that. And then I can have some free time because I've got some money. I didn't need much to much money to survive as long as I could make the things that I was interested in making. And so that would have been my port of call. There was another option that I had where I could, 
I was very frugal in university. I didn't spend much money. We get something called a student loan. And as a result of being so frugal, I didn't spend too much of it. So I had a little bit left over. I was like, well, I could move to somewhere like Poland where living expenses are, are smaller and I could, I could coast off this for a little bit longer, give myself a bit more time. But none of those things ended up being necessary because um, luck intervened. Yeah. yeah. When, when you started with puppetry, you described that you could, the turnover rate was much faster. What was it like to allow your creativity to kind of go more rapidly and, and just kind of, what was that like? Like all those characters opening up to you or uh, yeah. a lot more freedom of ideas? And how did your relationship to your creativity change when you went to a faster medium? I enjoyed it more uh, in a lot of ways, and in perhaps actually in every way. I'm trying to. I, I, I like the control that you have in stop motion, and I like the fact that you can really just nail the movement if you put the time in. You know, um, whereas with uh, puppetry, there's a little bit of uh, a bit more chaos in terms of the physics because you're dealing with the real world physics rather than physics that you have to kind of simulate. Um, so I enjoyed that, uh, and I also enjoyed not. Here's an example that I, that I say sometimes. So with stop motion, it's creative, but um, it's it's pretty brutal in terms of the time that you have to put in. So if you have Could an you idea that you think is an estimate of how long per second, or uh, like a five mm. minute video, how long that takes you, or, or something like that, just to I'll get try, it in I'll try. people's heads. Mm -hmm. So it depends how many characters are on screen and the complexity of the movement and things like that. I think I did, there's a scene in my film Escos from 2009 that people are, are welcome to check out where there's a scene where a bird comes in and sniffs around and stuff. And, and that was about 40 seconds. And that was about the fastest I was ever, ever able to, to achieve in a day, 40 seconds worth of animation, I think. But most days, something like six seconds, would, I would be, I'd be quite happy with. Yeah. When I made that film, I was working in a supermarket part-time not full-time i can't remember how many hours a week i did um and uh and by night i would go to this this media center who i mean credit to them i'm, I'm so grateful for them because they allowed me to have this space they they got me a, they allowed me to have a key to this place so after work or early in the morning before work i would go in and work there and and create this thing um which which ended up being about a three-month process for that particular film um so yeah it's it's, it's pretty grueling but uh, also to return to um, an example uh, I was thinking of with regard to kind of improvisation and being able to sort of take uh, storytelling to a different medium somewhat. I, I, I got a bit concerned with stop motion because I do enjoy I do enjoy improvisation. And, and I think that comes across a little bit in the series that I do and, and rolling with things and, and having kind of chaotic external elements come in and influence the story somehow like a dog sniffs him or something like that. Um, but with stop motion, you might think about something funny to do at the time, like, oh, it'd be funny if the character kind of scratches his butt here. But do I th only think it's funny because I've been doing this for, for 12 hours and am I going to take the risk to move that hand that's <laughs> <laughs> going to take hours and hours? So you end up kind of casting away bits of improvisation on accounts of your mind being in, in kind of a, a bit more of a meditative or goofy place, maybe just from being in the dark, not talking to people, that kind of thing. So it's... Um, I, I guess I guess it's like you want to be able to tell stories that people can relate to um, but the medium is so unrelatable to to be able to spend 
that amount of time on your own that you wonder if you're kind of becoming somewhat unrelatable and maybe that influences the art. That was a concern of mine. I'm sure there are people that can handle it, but I think it's a very specific personality type. Yeah. yeah. That decision tree has a certain, I guess, form to it because you you make a decision and you have to commit. So there's all this commitment constantly. Mm. And then you get to the end of the line, you're like, was that what I wanted? Not what I wanted, but it's too yeah. late, I guess, even if you're halfway through, uh, like just the, you know, the movement of a hand. Yeah. There's elements to it that are really helpful in kind of the opposite way. So for example, setting up shots and creating something that has kind of like cinematic merit, you, you really have the time to do it because the camera is, you know, small compared to a film camera and the set is small. So if you want to get high angles, low angles, something that would look like it was on a crane, you can do all that stuff in stop motion. So you really have the, the, the ability to experiment. And since the process takes so long, why not spend half an hour just really finding that perfect shot? So in that way, it was quite freeing. But in terms of the actual process, when you, when you take that first picture, you're basically locked in. It's like, oh, I hope no one kicks the camera. I hope I don't, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's, that, that was the limitation of it for me. And you described a kind of, I guess, two stages. You probably have more stages of your YouTube life, but there was the pre-viral video stage, and then you kind of went viral. Uh, in that year that, or however long that you were just doing puppetry, and I guess just kind of keep on grinding, keep on grinding, keep on grinding, how did YouTube as a medium of connection to the audience uh, influence you, or what was that like uh, before it you went and got in the spotlight that's a great yeah that's a really good question and, and i think i would say that influenced me a lot really because i mean if you want to make a film a stop-motion film that's 10 minutes long or something you disappear and 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 you you present it you come out at the end with with this film and you put it there on the internet but when you were creating something like a series this was key really i wanted to create short a short little series so that the audience I mean, you know, you, you, can, you can ignore a hell of a lot of the YouTube comments, but if there seems to be a common thread or, or even just one, a one-off person that says something, yeah, you might be right there. You can allow that person to kind of knock the direction a little bit into something that's more, that you're more happy with. You know, if you disappear in a room, you don't get any of that. And, uh, and you'd certainly do with, with the way I was approaching it later on. And you were open to that. Did that invigorate you, vitalize the process a little bit more? People were very positive, actually. I know, I know YouTube comments get a bad rap, but I think if you were kind of... I think people got the sense that I was underappreciated, at least I, I, I think so, and, and, and they, they kind of were rooting for me, actually. And, and I saw a side of the comment section that doesn't get too much exposure, but I, I had a really nice, small group of commenters. It, it might be just five commenters per, per video that would just... Um, say what they liked and you know politely say what they didn't like you know when <laughs> which uh it's uh, surprising now although I, I don't get too much nastiness actually i'll be i'll be honest it seems like what you do you have a lot of options so it doesn't seem like you are boxed in but maybe you mm. from time to time you feel boxed in uh i should rephrase that as a question but uh. It's just interesting because you're doing so, puppets. You can do anything <laughs> at all. It doesn't seem like it'll ever close down on you. But do you ever feel uh, claustrophobic in your creative uh, direction? No. Actually, well, I mean, it's tricky. I, I feel kind of spoiled for choice, really. That's, that's, that's what I feel mostly. Mm. And I, I spend a lot of time, actually. I, I would say most of the work that I do on a daily basis isn't stuff that 
is going to appear on my channel anytime soon. It's almost like kind of exploration R&D, kind of these sort of like soul food projects that I got to do to kind of like keep myself um, uh, exploring different areas. Uh, there comes a time when I do have to put a video up, of course, uh, and I try and make that around <laughs> once a month, something like that. Um, but people seem quite, well, I won't say happy, but okay with my productivity <laughs> with regards to what I put out. But it's, in truth, it's all of those soul food projects that, that if I put the time in and they work out well, those are the ones that do really well because there's been so much R&D behind it and, and it takes people by surprise because they, they haven't seen it coming. Um, people, people seem to like that. But of course... They do like the um, the kind of more reliable characters too, so I do feel an obligation that I don't uh, dislike um, where they they want to see more dab chicks, something like that. I mean, I like the character and he's forever development, so there's a developing, so there's a creativity there as well that keeps me well occupied. The one of my favorites of yours is the uh, cop gets mauled one. It, <laughs> it's so it's hilarious, but on top of that, it's so jam packed. Like every second, yeah counts so perhaps you know this month copper comes into effect so constable wayne's been following me around making sure my content isn't directed towards kids where is he yes oh there he is i can see you constable wayne i'm a potted plant no you're not you're a silly silly man toy channel no constable wayne it's puppetry it's not a toy channel toy channel no they're not toys either look it's even says on the box toy channel Ugh, i give up it's kind of like i guess you you figure out puzzle pieces and then see which ones you can kind of jam into an episode together and which ones might flow or which ones might not um so there's a lot of that going on i do kind of not not necessarily early on but at some point in the process i write out a little google document script and just kind of get a sense visually and it's awful the first draft is always awful so i do have to go back later on to try and sort of figure out the pacing and that kind of stuff um but uh but yeah that's uh that's certainly part of the that's always part of the process there's always a google document involved but other than that it's it varies depending on what other elements are involved mm -hmm. you know music or or dance or, or um a lot of comedy or on location stuff you know yeah this is a really stupid question i get asked it and i hate it uh so i'm going to try okay. to rephrase it in a novel fashion uh, okay. again from Looking at your work, you can do, you're spoiled for choice. Mm. So it seems like your avenue of finding inspiration is just as broad as your avenues of, of expression. What are some of the other producers or uh, other creators of any genre that kind of kick you into gear or light you up? I, I'm looking at the, the original question, what are your influences? But I'm trying to make a little bit more dynamic. Yeah. No, that's a good that's a good way of phrasing it. I guess I think um, early on my influences were pretty much stop motion. I, I'm trying to think if it was exclusively the case. I, probably, well, of course not, but but a lot of them were. So like, um, there's this this guy that I followed called um, Yiji Trinka. I say followed. He's he'd been dead for many many years, but I saw his work uh, for the first time. I think when I was around 11, and he was this guy in. Um, in Czechoslovakia he was kind of like the Czech version of Walt Disney and he'd do stop motion films back at a time when you couldn't do sort of frame flipping and things like that so you couldn't see what you'd done you'd have to send sort of the can of film off and, and bearing that in mind the work is really really well done yeah he made some fascinating films there's a great one called The Hand which is from I think 65 and he died actually um, in 69 so not long after it but it's a really really good masterpiece and very socially fascinating 
Uh, I do. I, I mean, I respect so many people's work. I, I was chatting with the guy. I'm going to have a call with him tomorrow, actually. The guy that makes those marble machines, you know. Have you seen that one? He makes incredible stuff. He makes these... They're kind of like automatons. Is that the word? They, he, uh, he has this crank. And it drops these marbles on like on like drums and stuff. So you have that seen guy. this one, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, th- th- there's a lot of people that I follow who who like my stuff and whose stuff I like, and and it's really great to kind of uh, meet them at conventions or something like that, and just sort of because there's definitely a similarity in all of us, whether it's a certain type of madness or, or kind of dedication <laughs> to something. I don't know. And so it's it's nice to feel that there's some there's other people out there that have a, something that that you that you have i don't know again it's sounding a bit elitist but it's um no i i don't don't think i don't think i i understand the artistic uh or the uh self-awareness of artists who don't want to sound pretentious or Mm self-absorbed but one i think your work your self-absorption has paid off so it's a significant (laughs) part of your uh, character at this point so i don't think you need to apologize for it at all because uh you do good on on uh the amount of uh attention that you pay through yourself into your art yeah oh thanks i i I think it's 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 also like an obsession too so there are elements it's not all you know something that i would wish on it's not every element is is something i'd wish on everyone you know yeah nothing would get done if everyone was like me the world would probably collapse that's true i did (laughs) i did want to bring up this and again i'm trying to refresh a, a kind of a tired trope when speaking with other creators, but uh, mm. do you feel crazy? Do you feel uh, are there are there moments where you feel like you're you're over obsessed or you worry about that? And how do you relax yourself or uh, kind of break out of uh, that worry or or kind of take that feedback that you're getting from yourself and kind of break out of kind of a loop that you get stuck in? I think talking to people is good, even if it's just social interactions and, and even not talking about the work, just talking about other things. Getting outside is good. Exercise is good. All the kind of standard stuff um, that, that, that I think helps kind of de-stress lots of people. There, there are times uh, it can be kind of a bit disheartening when, you, when you're working on something and you're a little way in and, and, and you're figuring out some sort of mechanism and you just become aware at a certain points like this route is not going to work i really have yeah. to do another route and, and it could be a month of work not not full-time work at, at least um but something that you've been thinking about for that amount of time and, and it's like ah oh, is that a, is that a wasted investment you have to tell yourself no because otherwise how would you have known that it wasn't going to work but those things can be a little bit tough um but i allow myself those failures because what can spawn from it can be you know the right direction and something that people appreciate hopefully yeah yeah well i really liked what you said about having that soul food time or, or spending so much time just kind of tinkering around it reminds me of a great interview well eddie uh eddie van halen was great the interviewer wasn't but i'm yeah. coming from the position of being an expert interviewer sure. uh and that's a joke but i am good at interviewing uh he just talks about his process of just breaking down these instruments and and tinkering around with sound and uh, playing around with amplifiers and and going through that whole process Mm. of not caring about any sort of product just caring about the process i guess would be the way of framing it and uh, i just released a video uh, a few days ago where i just took a bunch of material that i had been sitting on and Mm. and i repurposed it and I didn't think that that could be something that I could do because uh, I'd just been 
grinding and grinding and grinding. But mm. what, what you're bringing up in me is the uh, the necessary play, the necessary failures, the necessary uh, getting lost down rabbit holes. Because you never know mm. when in the future, if it doesn't work out in the moment, in the future, it's just more material. All you're doing is generating true, more material too. to play with at yeah. a later date. And, and if it's something that's a little bit of a, I mean, if it's kind of like a left field idea, like something you haven't explored before, uh, and maybe that could be the reason it fails because of lack of experience in, in whatever medium you're trying out or whatever technique, you now have a, at least a dip to toe in, in a kind of new realm of technical possibilities. So if you ever need to go there again, at least you've had some initiation. Yeah. Yeah. What, what kind of topics are you uh, hungry to explore? Do you think in topical terms or do you, uh, do you think differently? Like, are there areas you want to explore uh, in the human experience, uh, uh, you know, like relationships or anything like that that you haven't gotten into yet that you are interested in expressing? I, I think I, I get a lot of that, those kind of things out through Dabchik. If I want Dabchik to explore a topic, I mean, he's pretty kind of limitless with where he can go, actually. And because he's like a deeply flawed character, too, you don't have to necessarily do it in any way that's politically correct. So you don't have that limitation either. And if people yeah. took a, had a problem with it, he's a fictional character, you know, so they would. So there's you kind of have a little bit of a, a get out of jail free card. I mean, we'll see how that how that holds up. But I think it's, it's worked OK enough so far. Um, not always that sometimes that, but, but it's interesting to see how far you can get to the line, but you know, mm. fictional characters do a lot worse things in films, you know, Voldemort yeah. tried to kill Harry Potter so many times. <laughs> <laughs> it, in talking with other artists and people in the art, uh, field, broadly speaking, uh, there is a worry about creeping, uh, I guess political correctness, but it, it's not just... disregarding what what you can and cannot say, there's an attitude of can't and uh, what you can or can't Mm. say. Do you feel that pressure of, uh, not specifically about what is the hot political correct topic of the day, Mm. we don't have to get into the specifics, but the attitude of uh, speech controls, of, of, uh, you know, being highly offensive uh, and and limiting yourself, does that affect you at all? Or is it something you play with? Uh, Is it kind of an attractor for you? Like, rather than a detractor of your creative actually you know what somewhat in in the i feel like if if you view like a certain narrative or a certain character as as a kind of obstacle course those hot button topics if you can navigate them and not get into trouble that is a hell of an obstacle course so any any other narrative just seems like child play potentially i mean in, narratives can be complex in all sorts of directions you know yeah. you know but there, there's certainly an element to man you went there and you got out basically okay you know hmm. what what houdini what, you know, it, yeah right it's, it is a kind of you can think of those things as kind of an obstacle course but know that the dangers i guess are real but limited again through through the use of a fictional character as i as i do and you know his opinions aren't mine necessarily they're, they're just it's, quite often they're just things i think are, are funny things to say so the, mm. the motivation is comedy rather than trying to preach yeah yeah, yeah. the youtube uh, see i'm in a realm of youtube that's very very political like that's just where mm. i am it's yeah. really great to talk to somebody who you can play with that but you're not confined by that yeah uh, <laughs> i'm so blessed <laughs> so blessed <laughs> what's it like over there in uh happy fun uh super creative youtube land uh it's interesting i mean 
you, you shouldn't push boundaries just for the sake of pushing boundaries. Uh, mm. And I think the ones that are successful don't do that. Uh, I think sometimes there are certain creators that I that I can think of that, that do go to those places, but it feels like a natural place for them to go. I don't, I don't really, I don't want to offend people necessarily, but I do want it to be funny. And sometimes there are perspectives that some people will find offensive that I have to say are, are kind of funny and other people find them funny too. So, so the bird will, might express them. Um, to, to that degree, I'm, I'm, I think I might be freer than most people actually in that I'm not the one in front of the camera. Uh, I have a, an ability to create it at the beginning through this Google document that I was talking about before. I have an ability to get creative with it in the middle when I'm shooting it, you know, when other elements come into the shot, things like that. And finally, I have an ability to do the voiceover at the end and read up anything I wasn't happy with. So I can, I, I really, it doesn't leave my control. So unless my, unless my thought of where the line is, you know, is wrong, I can't, I can't go wrong unless I mess up. That's a stupid phrase, but I'm, you know what I I'm mean. I'm so jealous. <laughs> you, I know. I, I'm je- I would be jealous of me too. Playhouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's. I would be too. Yeah, yeah. How? Um, so, so that's congratulations. Oh, pardon me. Sorry, I was just. I was just. Um, I was just uh, being grateful for my position. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats on the million subscribers. Thank you. That's a phenomenal achievement. I don't know how many people are up there, but you're among a elect. Uh, you can find out, I think there's this website, they, they, YouTube kind of neutered it a little bit called social blade, you know, so that yeah. the real time subs aren't shown anymore because YouTube made an, a change, but you can see where you rank in terms of subscribership and it includes anyone. And I think, I don't know where I am actually exactly. We could have a look. I think it's around 20,000 or something, which is, is a fairly big number, but that, I guess oh, that wow. includes like corporations and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Has your the quality of your interaction with the audience does that has that degraded with the uh the 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 inflation of the numbers oh oh good question yeah that's a good question um i don't know i mean there's 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 more comments so potentially good ones could get buried but then if there oh but there's the upvoting isn't there so if there's something that resonates with a lot of people they upvote it and occasionally yeah. still I can I can ignore those things if I don't feel it's relevant or or a correct quite often someone will pick me up on something that's like did you even consider this and I was like yeah I did and I did it a different way even though you know but mm. um sometimes something will get upvoted that I hadn't considered and I'm like oh yeah let me take that on board for the next one yeah but the, so the, the quality thing helps there yeah okay. I'm sorry yeah yeah so the oh, the, 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 the audience edits edits itself through that mechanism somewhat yeah is, is that is that what you meant by the question the quality of, of um yeah the quality of, the interaction? of uh, i guess your base and your interaction but it it i guess self- it becomes a bit less intimate i, I remember earlier yeah. on responding to comments and things like that and i don't really do that anymore i, I wouldn't say yeah. sometimes i might occasionally if someone says something simple but sometimes uh if you get a response back expecting another response you've kind of doubled your workload so i try not to do too much of that yeah do you have any uh visions of the future do you think that you want to do a feature film or something like that or or work with other people you don't have to ah. like it's so amazing you <laughs> i, can do I am working with uh with with some i well there, there are a few collaborators i sound like a complete like loner but there are there are some <laughs> there are some people that i'm Welcome collaborating with one 
<laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so there are some folks that I am collaborating with. Um, there's a theatre project that's on hold now because every theatre, oh. or maybe every project that requires more than one person, is on hold. Um, well, to a degree, I guess. But but that was something that I'm directing puppetry for, and that involves creating the puppets as well. Uh, so we tried to work a little bit. Uh, at the beginning of lockdown to try and figure out if there's a way that we can all work remotely. And there was, but then the time frame of the release date just kept moving for further and further back. So with the projects I'm taking on, sometimes I try and think how it can apply in terms of problem solving to that theatre project too, so I can kind of kill two birds with one stone kind of. Um, but I'm not working really full time on that. There is one other project that's, uh, that I'm collaborating with with someone that's a little bit more interviewee. Uh, and I want to try and figure mean? out a way to... Uh, where, where we have guests on, for example. Okay. Uh, so I have the puppet kind of interview. I think that could be a kind of fun dynamic, but it's a bit, it's a bit out there. So it's just trying to figure out the best way to approach it. And uh, there's a guy there that that's that was is fairly well known in radio, uh, that retired recently. That's working on on it with me now, and um, and it's really great to to bounce ideas off him because he's he has a whole, you know, decades of experience in a, in a very different place than I've you know had experience in and much less experience at least time frame wise with like them. radio as in because i know in uh britain you guys have that bbc thing uh that does a lot of radio mm. plays that's not really big over here is that what he was doing radio plays and stuff like that no he's, he's from new york actually this guy oh yeah. okay yeah right. i'll keep it uh, quite sorry i don't mean to be uh, elusive but i'll keep it quiet for now just to, to know i can give okay. you like a sense of, of what it's, it's like but i don't know I, it's quite hard to know if, if a project will come off and especially one that's so kind of out of my wheelhouse I wouldn't want to raise expectations for, for, yeah. for him or I for, for anyone but, but I'm, I'm really excited about it and I'd be really happy to uh, well come on again and share it with you when it's, uh, when it's out yeah. Do you have uh, you, you talked about a theatre project do you have uh, a desire to do that? Does that sound exciting to do something live with more full body uh, kind of things? Yeah, it definitely. Like I mean, the bird, scale is very different. Coming on or <laughs> yeah, maybe. definitely some big birds in this one. Yeah, we have to figure out some ways to sort of take what I'm doing and make it larger. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of kind of uh, things that attach to your fingers and kind of amplify the, the movement in a way or like visually amplify it. So it's kind of... Wow. Um, it's still my approach to it in terms of the fingers and, and hands are really integral and become part of the puppet, but there's a lot more mechanics required... Uh, on legs and things like that in order to make these things to bring these things up to the scale that, that they're supposed to be which is kind of life-size scale really so we have things like cats and dogs and uh, we have a hyena too that'll be a more of a full body one i think um but uh but yeah it's a fascinating challenge and weight has never really been an issue with my puppets before because they're so small i mean it's, it's it's good to get them as light as you can for sure um you can make something light seem heavy with puppetry but to make something heavy seem light is is almost well it, it can be impossible actually because you can yeah. only you know physics um so unless that, you that hire been... mit to build you a robot or something like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> contact lex friedman <laughs> see what you can do <laughs> yeah it's uh so that's that's been a really fascinating challenge and uh and with going bigger, you kind of have more more part of the puppet that isn't your hand. So kind of design choices kind of open up a little bit there, too, yeah. which is real fun. Yeah, There's all this hidden engineering uh, behind everything that you're doing, uh, where, where your ideas are bouncing off the material world or bouncing off of actual matter. Uh, yeah. 
that causes you to think in a certain way. It's just fascinating that there's, I don't know if it's science per se, but it's a lot of tech, technology that's going into this creative endeavor. That's The technology is kind of hidden behind the mm. the creativity that you're doing at the other end. It's pretty yeah. fascinating to, to to think about how much you think about this stuff, and then it kind of just comes mm. off as... Uh, something playful, something very silly. Yeah, it's obsessiveness that that that, that you <laughs> try and find a way to package, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And it's my interest anyway. I mean, I, I do work a lot on what I do, and and my, I, and I try and stay healthy, and I exercise as much as I can, and all this kind of thing. But invariably, what happens is I get just absolutely the word is possessed by an idea or a project, and your sleep schedule gets pushed back further and further and further, and at a certain point, you have to do a hard reset. So I think I'm probably around. <laughs> I guess I'm around, I'm probably East Coast time at the moment, American East Coast time. <laughs> so <laughs> like maybe a few weeks ago, I was on English time because I did another hard reset. So, but it's, it's still a, a joy to do what I do. And I, it's such a rare position to be in that I, that I kind of pinch myself every day. Um, mm. I feel really, 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 really fortunate and happy that I'm doing what I'm doing. I can't, I can't think of any job that I'd want to do more. Yeah. So that's a, yeah. that's a rare yeah. thing. I know yeah. it's a rare thing. Yeah. Uh, what do you have like a project in the works that you're allowed to talk about for 2021 or like like a vision of 2021 right now for for your uh the arc of your channel or something like that well i i think i've been doing a lot of uh these kind of like soul food projects that i was saying about where yeah. where that and a lot of them are starting to kind of evolve and and come off into something that that that's looks close to resembling something <laughs> i don't know um so what could i talk about i found um this was surprisingly quick actually i found a way i think i found a way to make the puppies breathe fire <laughs> oh <laughs> so that would be a really cool looking thing so i'm thinking maybe do like a dragon or something like that um and but we'll see i haven't got all of the uh i'm, I'm gonna have to back engineer some things to try and get it, the, the actual device as small as possible so i can fit it on in a puppet's hand or inside the mouth of a puppet or something like that but if that can work that would be really cool that would add a, a another element another element to it for sure yeah are you uh do you dabble in uh something like philosophy or some sort of uh higher thinking kind of uh currents that you uh intentionally or unintentionally come across or, or like you, anything from like exploring the nature of the human soul to like some sort of metaphysical mm. or even political uh kind of uh, theory that you're dealing with or that yeah oh no certainly i think if if you're gonna if you're gonna create stuff that that seems well thought out i think you have to think about things in in every aspect of i mean what, what do i mean i guess I'm creating something that is in the, in a cultural realm. So culture, be it politics, be it kind of philosophy, things like that. I mean, I don't, I don't read very much. I don't read very well. In fact, I listen to a lot of audio books and a lot of uh, podcasts and things like that. You're one I listen to a lot and I have it on in the background uh, while I'm sort of working with my hands. You know, even if I was m much of a reader, I probably wouldn't have the time to, you know, use my hands and eyes and stuff <laughs> yeah. where, where I can be putting them somewhere else and, and, uh, and working at the same time. So I don't know. I, I absorb a lot of stuff, actually. Um, I usually have something on in the background. And uh, and that, I don't know, there's, there's just so cool to live in an age where you can just stick. You're spoiled for choice, really, with what you can consume. So anything that you're interested in, you can find and, and 
yeah, if it's a podcast, it, it doesn't get in the way of your work, at least, especially if you're doing something repetitive, like sanding something or whittling something, you know what I mean? It's, uh, hmm. there's, there, there's certainly kind of compartments of your brain that, that, that don't get um, affected by certain listening to things. Or, you know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. easy to separate. Some things you can separate. If you're editing sound and listening to something, you can't do it. But yeah. if you're listening to something and working with something visual, then you can do it. Yeah. Uh, I can. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I'm jealous of you in that respect, where my work is so verbal that I can't even listen to uh, music while I'm yeah. doing anything. Like, my uh, everything's in language, so it's hard for me to yeah. find the time to... But I really enjoy podcasts. I really enjoy that kind of work, so I, I, I wish I had more hands-on kind of stuff. Do you ever go for, like, hikes or something like that with, with stuff like audiobooks in? That could be a nice way yeah, to kind of mix a, things a up. bike ride, yeah. Stuff yeah, like oh, lovely. Good idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, yeah. what kind of if you're if you want to talk about this and I I, I know mm. there's landmines here but what what is some uh, something that you're really uh, kind of obsessing with in the cultural sphere or something like uh, in the intellectual okay, sphere yeah, I'll, or a topic I'll give it a go yeah well I think there there are a lot of topics that people feel very passionately about at the moment and they've become kind of a bit like landmines you know uh, so I would you know. I don't want to take a political stance on things, really, but I would like to try and find a way to kind of de-landmine the, the space a bit. Like, and, and you can you can poke fun at things without necessarily causing offence. I mean, offence is taken quite regularly these days in a lot of different on a lot of different subjects. So you won't be able to please everyone all the time, but that's the case with art generally. So I think some way of of being able to depoliticize i suppose or, or detoxify a, a, a conversation through kind of fictional characters and through comedy and f- through music and things like that that would be a really cool project because i do worry about people um getting upset so upset about things that that they wouldn't have been so upset about not so long ago yeah and that's uh, that's probably about as nebulous as i can, <laughs> I can make it i guess i don't know <laughs> to be somebody who's very visible somebody who's very public uh mm. to resist uh in in my wheelhouse it it's a pressing concern not not to be pretentious so much as to be captured by my audience to end up just preaching to the choir to provide content that people expect and that reinforces mm. their their notions their their preconceived yeah. notions and and you yeah, have I, I can understand. certain creators in my wheelhouse that I think of as uh entering into a fanarchy where the fans are the ones that are guiding the channel the uh, fans become kind of yes men and kind of stoke the fire that they that well they worse you become the yes men by. of them in a way uh-huh, that's know? true yeah that's, a, yeah that's a good way to look at it as well yeah i mean that's maybe that's another reason why the kind of soul food thing is so important maybe you need to take some uh, uh, or one needs to take certain time out just to think what am i interested in exploring you, you, of course, you have to find a balance between what the audience like and what you like, but it, mm. it can't be a one-sided balance. Otherwise, things are upend. Yeah. Do you obsess, uh, or to what to what degree do you think about your channel as uh, a business that you're growing? Are you free to not think about it that way? Uh, not really. I, I do have to consider that. Um, I, I mean, it's it's numbers or subscribers or views equals subscribers subscribers equals views and yeah. views uh, represents the income that you make and the income that you make represents how well off you are <laughs> you know so yeah. you have to consider yeah. you know, your own um uh wallet uh through things like that yeah. but the reality of it yeah but i i guess 
here's a here's a way I, I try to look at it where you you could see that as a limitation I suppose or something that that would require you selling out you know what I mean so it's like oh you only do this because you but at the same time you're working with a limitation and puppetry is again working with a limitation I find limitations fun and interesting sometimes they can help guide if you let them guide it or, or you let limitations guide your work in an interesting and informative way you, you can you can do well out of limitations you know yeah. what I mean and if you see your audiences or or you see let's say let's say you're, you're you view in part your channel as something that you have to kind of keep um keep churning over in a way that feels a little bit of a chore sometimes something like that it's <laughs> it's you have to it's the reality you have to balance that with with what you want to do i guess and finding a way to yeah. do that is, is is key and it probably changes and, and you probably reassess and all that kind of thing but but balances and limitations are are good things yeah. they can be not always i guess you mentioned uh i can't pronounce his name you mentioned a, a czech uh animator um and then Jan there's I can't pronounce I can't pronounce his name either. Whenever I said it to Czech people, they always they say it in a completely different way than than I said it. Jan Svankmaier, yeah, the, the guy that did Alice and uh, and then the other and, guy with the hand, Yuzi uh, Trinka. Saying his name wrong, I'm sure Trinka. too. So okay. it's J I R I. Few accents above. I can't remember which letters. And T R N K A. Uh, I think some more accents involved in that that part but, of his name too. Both of those guys are auteurs. It seems like at least mm. Schwankmeyer, who I'm more uh, familiar Tinker with, too, I would say, yeah, kind of very uh, just doing their own thing, uh, yeah, and doing it well in a way. I don't know how well off they were at that period of time or what what they had to rely on government grants or something I mean, like that. But. Both of them, I guess, were in in grew up in in the Eastern Bloc, I guess, and probably did the majority of their work. Svankmeyer was a little bit younger, I think, or at least survived a little long. He's still alive, isn't he, Svankmeyer, I think? Yeah. So there were, there were limitations there, too. I mean, but some incredible art came out of the communist era. You know, there's some wonderful futurism. I love. I listen to the Red Army Choir very often, and I just love that stuff. It appeared, you know, it's really beautiful arrangements and things. Yeah, I mean, it was all about how great Russia is, but... Yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you don't speak Russian, you don't get bored of that. <laughs> do, do you have, like... Uh a vision in your head of like 10, 10 years down the road or 20 years down the road of, of opening, uh, like becoming more of a manager, uh, opening a production company. Uh, or do you think that, I think I would have to delegate really. I, I think if I, if I ever okay. got to that stage, I love to, um, I love to kind of start things off. And if other people can kind of take over at certain points, I would delegate if I trusted them enough to do it. Um, I, you know, I, I love the R&D side of things. I love to, to find things that are new. I like to explore new ground that hasn't been found before. That's my favorite part of the whole thing. So if I stumble across something that becomes, I don't know, economically viable or someone wants to buy, I think I probably would be open to it. I'd probably keep Dabchik to myself, I suppose, because it's, it's kind of like the spokesperson of the channel and I wouldn't want to lose control <laughs> there. But if I had faith that people would be doing it, doing justice to it and, you know, uh, then... I could foresee a, a future where I'm able to do something like that, maybe. Um, hmm. But to be honest, I, I enjoy what I do so much anyway. If, if if I didn't grow exponentially or anything, you know, I wouldn't. It's so rare that I've got in this position to start with. So few people are able to get in this position anyway that it's like, what more yeah. do I want, really? I yeah. mean, it will well, go places and it is going places. But yeah, you know. yeah. You reached out to me. Uh, I was su surprised uh, that you listened to me. I, and I, I went and I, I checked out your channel. And the first thing that I saw, and, and I, I 
don't this might come off wrong but like it it okay. seemed i think it was the pi- it was the pri- pirate video All right. Tonight, I got a tale for you about sirens. The Greeks imagined them to be part bird, part woman. In Anglo-Latin culture, half woman, half fish. Uh, top half woman. Doesn't really matter how they look. It's their voices you want to watch out for. Singing songs so beautifully, they lure sailors to a watery demise. And it was like you had God in your hands. Like you were channeling reality through your you were able there was there was some sort of did you mean the the one with the siren and and like the ghost story one yeah the ghost story one one. oh yeah 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 but there there was there was just like a a very transcendent uh quality to your your movements like you were i don't know i don't i don't know how to frame it it is a compliment i don't know how you take those or if your culture allows those i don't know but (laughs) (laughs) we're getting better at it maybe through american influence who knows (laughs) but um no thank you that 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 one was um i worked really hard and it's very fresh in my memory that one um i had an idea maybe maybe last halloween of something that i could do and just had had slowly kind of whittled away at the the script and um and, and actually, well, actually, most of the script came together about two weeks before Halloween. So I was just really kind of going that I would say that was a that was a 10 day full time day and night as much as I could. I mean, I, I got I did get to sleep on, on occasion, but uh, that was that was that was brutal. And thankfully turned out uh, I'm, I'm really happy with that one. That, that might be that might be the best video on my channel. I think I think it might be. Well, the, the every every aspect of it was just packed. The the writing that that writing it was all timed out. It was all rhymed. It was just like crafted. Yeah. Everything was crafted all the <laughs> way up and down. Uh, yeah. Phenomenal that you. And by did the way, that feel free to crunch. to overlay any parts of it as we're talking on on your video, so people can get a sense of of how it looks. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just feel free to. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're not going to yeah. copyright strike me. If, if I, do that. <laughs> I will. I will. But I need. <laughs> No, no. I'll give you a week. <laughs> no, no. Feel free to. It's, uh, it will. It would. It will provide some good context for people. I think. Um, yeah, I, I really. I, I was really happy with how that one turned out. And um, but of course, you want to. I want to do better next year. And and so I will have to think about how to do that. But it's you know, uh, I, like I say, I think probably in terms of shooting, that was about a ten day turnaround. I think uh, and the sound and everything. Maybe add another three or three or so days to that it's still it's still like half a month where it's not long it's not a long process really compared to with stop motion animation so the viability yeah. of it just kind of really blows me away with when it comes to time frame of stuff yeah. i mean it was a puppet that i'd made before so you could add that to the to the time that it took to make <laughs> i suppose but but then we're just splitting hairs. <laughs> yeah 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 lucky how fortunate position yeah. to be in. It, it's yeah. great that we have people in our culture that can have fun and and translate that into something that it's like an artifact i i, I yeah. guess i just described the artist uh it, just an yeah, essential part yeah. of our culture it's so great that we're in an age where that i think the reins of that are in the in the hands of the individual yeah i mean i i go to art galleries occasionally and i find stuff that doesn't resonate with me too much uh, quite often but i i, I can go on instagram 
and mm. I've been following a lot of painters recently and the, the, the level and, and the type of realism that they're able to create. I, I can't believe how, how good people are at painting these days. It's not, some, some of it is photorealistic, but not necessarily. They, they, a lot of them can kind of tap into some level of mm. realism that I hadn't even, I didn't even know was possible. And it's, uh, it's, there's some mad, mad talent out there and the internet is really um, helping us figure out where, where, where those people well, that those people exist, I suppose. Yeah, and and then therefore giving them the ability to make a living if enough people appreciate yeah. them, which is another wonderful aspect to it. Yeah. So, what should we plug? Uh, other than your channel, do you have like merchandise to people get? I don't. Yeah, I should. On, uh, I should do that at some point. At Toys R Us. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. But one day maybe. <laughs> well, I guess if people just Google my name, which is Barnaby Dixon, B A R N A B Y D I X O N, they can find. I do have an Instagram account and a Twitter account. Uh, but yeah, most of the stuff's on YouTube. There are some yeah. things on Instagram that I put there that I don't put on YouTube. So if you're interested in what I do, it might be worth following me there too. I have a Patreon account too, which I guess you could find by typing in my name and patreon afterwards on google i suppose um but yeah that's that's where you can find me congratulations for reaching the end of the discussion if you enjoyed it do be sure to leave a review or a comment or a thumbs up or whatever you need to do to show that glorious algorithm that this is some good stuff and do be sure to go and check that back catalog as it is brimming full of fantastic conversations links to provide monetary support are down there in the description as well have a good night we can jump back in if you want i am still recording the audio if you want to jump back in uh, you, we, we're free to me when you're out and about doing your thing mm. how do you deal with people like looking at you or what what's that like how does that does that add things uh to the process i, I do get <laughs> it's a weird thing to be doing like visually just for, for, for people to be uh and and of course people will stare but that it's quite nice to go out with like a friend and do it because you know company validates yeah you have <laughs> so security all, too if all, anybody starts messing exactly with yeah potentially yeah I, I mean it doesn't happen that much but uh but it could do yeah and again it has but not not very do you have a yeah, gimbal that you're using uh no I, I do it by hand I, i've got i um there's a lot of optical stabilization that phones have now and i, I suppose that's what's being used and, it, and make that makes it look bearable at least mm. um there is a lot of really cool technology out there there's these little tiny gimbals i've seen and maybe i'll invest in one of those one day but there's something so useful about having the thing especially since i'm essentially one-handed when i shoot so i, I have to keep the phone in my left pocket if I keep it in my right pocket, it's a pain. And the, the fact that it's so flat and can fit in your pocket just means that you are just ready to yeah. get out at any point. And it's, it's, it's still 4K. I mean, it's yeah. like it's not the most beautiful buttery 4K that you can imagine, but it's 4K. <laughs> it's, it still counts. <laughs> so it, yeah. th those live shots where you're just trotting around, that's all phone usually, always? You, I think pretty much always when, it, when it's out and about. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, you know, you, you can I can hold it in a way that's that's um it took some practice at the beginning it was a bit harder to do they, a lot of them have wide angle settings too which is nice because even though i can only get that far away from the puppet yeah. so if you have a wide angle you can really create a diversity of shots and get people give oh, wow. people the sense that they're yeah, so you're walking along own. like this is mm -hmm. more difficult than chewing gum and walking because you're walking along you're, you're <laughs> doing the puppet you're filming do you watch do you, and you have to be watching the camera or you, 
you get a kind of muscle memory as okay. to where where the camera's looking. So there's 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 things that I've been able to capture where I'm not looking at the camera at all, but just I'm aware of what angle I'm holding the phone, so that yeah. if someone interacts with me, I can get the camera on them and and they don't know they're being filmed, but I just know the angle to hold it at, kind of, um, you know. Um, if if they, you know, I don't want to interact with people that doesn't want to interact that don't want to interact with the. Uh, uh, with the puppet but um occasionally there's some real funny moments that have come just like from people being confused as to what i'm doing yeah have like you have, have you gone to rallies and stuff and like interviewed people via your uh hand puppet that would be fun wouldn't it there, there's there's lots of opportunities or, or other angles that i could explore the real time talking as dabchik i haven't done too much uh I, there's occasionally when he's like singing a song or something and i have to <laughs> i'll do that live because it's just harder to resync afterwards if it's like one take um but yeah there's there's definitely a lot of possibilities there uh it's hard to imagine that he would be quite as funny because lines that you have the time to think about and really refine you know just in in the same way that it is with stand-up comedy are gonna be funnier than ones that you that, that kind of come off the cuff yeah um but at the same time it's uh th- there can be a spontaneity to improvisation but whether people would know that i'm improvising or not you well you know, ha- so you're talking um, through a hand duck chick I think they'll they'll have yeah. some idea that that there's, there might be some comedy involved. Yeah, I, I, I should hope so. Yeah. yeah. 